You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. Hey guys, this is episode 90 of the Sexy Escort Guide podcast. I am your host, Vivian, and today we are welcoming back Mr. Eric Polasek of Companion Tax and Accounting Services, our very generous diamond sponsor. But before we even jump into that, can you believe we're on episode 90? Like, OMG, 10 more episodes and we're hitting 100 episodes. Wow. Thank you guys so much, all of you who started with us from the very beginning until now. I can't believe this is still going. Like, do we really have this much shit to talk about? (laughs) Anyways, today we're going to be discussing everything LLC related. Whether or not you even need them. And a few tips on how we can structure our business for tax and legal purposes. We will be discussing three business structures today and you can determine which one works for you or better yet contact Companion Tax or your tax professional so that they can help you determine what works for you and your personal situation. Because when it comes to taxes and accounting, no two people are the same. No two companies are the same. So listen up. This is a very boring, but much needed episode. I know talking about taxes and accounting is not sexy, but trust me, you need this in your life. So let's welcome Eric to the show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episodes 7, 36, and 58. Companion Tax really knows their stuff, and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011 and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. Hello, Eric. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Vivian. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? How's your family? How's everything? We're doing great. Thank you so much for asking. How has the whole pandemic treated you? pandemic has treated us actually pretty well. We've been a virtual office for a couple of years now. So pretty fortuitous, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, we were pretty much able to keep up operations as they had. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people that were always working from home were like, they weren't really affected (laughs) by this. No, not too much. You know, mostly our concern was for our clients. And, you know, it was, you know, obviously some were hit harder than others, you know, how was business for you affected? I mean, obviously, like everybody else, I didn't see clients for like a little bit, kind of switched to virtual, like everybody hopped on OnlyFans. I really couldn't do that, but (laughs) I tried. (laughs) But no, I mean, I I have some really cool clients that even sent money without me asking. So that was nice. And then of course, I had my savings. 
I was prepared, but it did affect me just like everybody else in terms of I didn't work as much. But now things are back to normal. I've been hearing similar from our clients. And, you know, thankfully that, you know, it seemed like once we kind of turned the corner, although now this variant is a little bit scary, but, you know, for the most part, when business started getting back to normal, it seemed like everybody was so pent up, for lack of a better word, from, you know, being in quarantine that business resumed fairly, fairly normally. A lot of people were definitely tired of being at home. Plus, I feel like this is another one of those instances where regulars matter, which is why I always scream from the mountaintop to like build up your regular base, because my regulars were seeing me and only me because they knew me and trusted me, you know, and they felt safe with me. If you don't have your regulars, what are you going to do? You know, so... Build up no, your regulars, I, ladies. <laughs> from what I can tell you, you know, from what I've heard from my clients, a lot of them said that their regulars were a lifeline and really helped get them through, you know, the tough time. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, and personally, I feel like the pandemic was so good for me. I feel like I was thriving in the pandemic. So, yeah, because it kind of forced the whole world to shut down. And it helps me really like slow down, quiet the noise and actually focus on some key things that I needed to do in my business and my personal life to take me to another level. It was amazing. I was almost kind of sad that it ended. but <laughs> That's a story for another day. Enough of the chit chatting. Let's give the people what they came here for. We're going to be talking about LLCs and how they can help us save on taxes, you know, and then the different structures and all that good stuff. So let's start from, you know, the very beginning, the basic. What are some common myths you hear about LLCs? You know, when I have a lot of clients coming to us, especially for the first time, there's a lot of bad information out there. One of the first ones that I hear is that I was told I need to form an LLC in order to legitimize my income. That's simply not true. When you're self-employed, in the absence of having a W-2 or pay stubs, you know, if you are an employee with a company, really the only way that you're going to legitimize your income is by filing your tax return. Now, you can do that whether you're a sole proprietorship or whether you're an LLC, but, you know, it's the filing of the tax return that legitimizes your income, not what your business structure is. So that's usually the first one. The next ones that I usually hear follow along the lines of something like you need an LLC in order to be considered a business or pay yourself or file your taxes. And again, this is something that just simply is not true. Um, you know, according to U.S. Census data, actually the most recent that they released, about 73% of businesses in the United States are unincorporated or sole proprietorships, which means they didn't take any steps to be an LLC or a corporation or a partnership. It's just people that went out, started, you know, working, being in business for themselves and earning a living. So, you know, certainly 73% of U.S. businesses, they would consider themselves a business. They're able to pay themselves. They're able to wow. file taxes. That's crazy. So, Probably like mom and pops and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So. You know, those are some of the common myths. So, you know, I, I have a lot of clients. I always feel bad because the first question I ask when I hear a client comes to me and says, I want to form an LLC is I always, you know, put them on the spot a little bit, but I need to, to say, well, why? And then normally I'll hear 
one of these reasons and I'll say, you know, listen, that can save you some money and a lot of headache. If that's the reason, you don't need to know this about it. That's where it usually starts. And then let's go ahead and talk about the different business structures that we can involve ourselves in. What are some of the common business structures that we can use? So there's a lot out there, but for our clients, normally there's pretty much three that we go to. The first one would be what's known as a sole proprietorship. The second one would be just an LLC. And then the third one would be an LLC, but with what's called an S-Corp, which is short for S-Corporation election. Yeah, that I'm actually looking forward to hearing you explain. <laughs> okay, good. I'm happy to. Because I might be doing a little bit of adjusting with my stuff. Really? This year, yeah. So, okay. But yeah, so sole proprietorship, explain this. This is the least amount of uh, <laughs> coverage when it comes to lawsuits. You hit the nail on the head. So as we talk, you know, during this interview about all of these different business structures, so there's two things to consider when we're talking about them. One is the legal implication and one is the tax implication. So with the sole proprietorship, the legal and the tax is actually one and the same because what a sole proprietorship means is that in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of the IRS, there is no distinction between the business and the individual. It's the same entity. So, you know, whatever the business earns is the owner's earnings and whatever liabilities or expenses that the business incurs while operating the owner of that sole proprietorship is personally responsible for those as well. So as you so accurately pointed out, something happens in the course of business and you get sued, there's no legal coverage for your personal assets. Everything is at stake. While that sounds bad, you know, there are benefits of a sole proprietorship. First of all, it's the easiest thing to start. Normally, you know, unless you're living in a state where, you know, the business requires a license to operate, you know, normally there's no paperwork, there's nothing to set up a sole proprietorship. You start working for yourself, you're automatically a sole proprietorship. You don't have to file anything with the state that would put your information on public record. You just kind of start working and earning your money. That's what a sole proprietorship is. That was the legal aspect. And then um, some of your listeners might be familiar with it. When it comes to filing your taxes as a sole proprietorship, all of that business activity is reported on your personal tax return. The form that you use to report that is actually called a, a Schedule C. And on that, you list you know, all of your income that you made for the year. You list out your business expenses by category. And then your net income is determined on the Schedule C. Just for shits and giggles, if somebody was filing, if an escort was filing her taxes as a sole proprietorship, what will she be putting down as her her job description? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. And another one that I get asked a lot. So, you know, the honest truth is, in a way, the IRS doesn't care. A lot of people are concerned that, you know, it's an issue with the IRS. There's provisions of to show you how much, how little the IRS cares, there's provisions of the tax code that deal with how to report income on stolen property. IRS really doesn't care what you're doing. They just care that you're reporting your income accurately and paying your taxes as you should. So what we do, though, you know, who is going to look at your tax return? Well, obviously, anybody that needs to verify your income is going to be looking at it. So that usually would be like a bank loan officer, 
car dealership, if you're going for an auto loan, if you're renting an apartment, you know, a leasing office might want to look at it if they're verifying your income. You know, what we normally put down there varies, and, and it depends on the client. You know, some, because they might be doing some work in film, you know, put me as a model or an actress. Um, you know, those are certainly you know, valid professions that won't really raise you know, any kind of eyebrows. And, and you're not really us. lying. No, and you're not lying. So, you know, there's similar expenses there. Some clients have, you know, vanilla day jobs or other income streams and just kind of lump them all together under the same umbrella and we'll maybe just use, you know, the more vanilla side of their business as, you know, a cover and list that as well. And then beyond that, you know, if there's a lot of trepidation and just are concerned about what people will think on the return, then we kind of draw, you know, from their personal experience, educational background, you know, and find a profession because for the most part, you know, again, they're not going to be quizzed or have to produce a portfolio of work when they're before a bank loan officer. You know, they're going to look at the question and say, oh, I see your, you know, such and such. You know, what do you do or tell me a little bit about your business? They're looking for you to, you know, answer, you know, with a sentence or two of, oh, you know, I'm into marketing. I do a lot of website design, which a lot of our clients do as well, you know, for their own personal business. So, you know, you might be listed as a, website designer or marketing consultant, you know, something that is plausible that you have experience in, but, you know, is discreet about, you know, how the income is being generated. I still don't like sole proprietorship, but <laughs> that's me and my, uh, my stance. And one of the reasons why I started an LLC long time ago was because I wanted to build up my business credit. And you can't do that if you're just a sole proprietor, correct? I mean, it's difficult. You know, with the sole proprietorship, it's, it's a little bit slower. Now, with the sole proprietorship, I mean, you know, it is possible as a sole proprietorship to apply for an EIN number, which is basically a business social security number. You can get an employer identification number. You can open up a business bank account as a sole proprietorship. You can do a lot of things that a business would do. You know, get a business credit card or debit card in your business's name. So, I mean, it is possible to build credit for your business as a sole proprietorship. It would just take a little bit longer. Let's move on to LLC. Speaking of LLCs, what is an LLC? So, LLC is a limited liability company. And what that is, you know, an LLC, you know, first part, you know, when we're talking about it, LLC is a, it's a legal protection. Uh, the most important thing, you know, again, as I said earlier, we have to consider legal and tax implications. So with an LLC, the importance is on the legal side. Because what happens is an LLC is it's not a federal organization. When you create an LLC, it's at the state level. So you're creating an LLC, you know, whether it's in the state that you live in, Delaware LLC, Nevada LLC. But when you create an LLC, as soon as that LLC is created, in the eyes of the law, you know, even if you're the 100% owner and the only person that's quote unquote working in the LLC, that LLC is a separate legal entity from you. And why that's important is because, you know, it's in the name. It's limiting your liability. Basically, again, even if you're the sole operator, 
anything that's done through that business, you know, any income that the business earns is technically the LLCs before it's yours. And any expenses or liabilities that the LLC generates while operating is the LLC's responsibility, not necessarily yours personally. It's what's actually called creating a corporate veil. And what that means is that veil is protecting your personal assets from what happens during the course of business. So if the LLC ever gets sued or if any action is ever taken against the LLC, it can happen, but it's very rare as long as you know you keep your LLC clean and follow certain rules. You know, it would be very hard if anybody were to ever sue the LLC for them to get through the LLC and start attacking personal assets. So that's essentially what an LLC is. It's providing legal protection for you. It's creating a separate legal entity from yourself. Now, from a tax standpoint, you know, I have to make an assumption here, which I normally hate to do, but, you know, for the majority of my clients, and I'm assuming for most of the listeners, most are going to be what's known as a single member LLC. Very rarely do I encounter anyone who's going to create an LLC with either a partner or a group of individuals. So You assumed correctly, on my case anyway. Okay, good. When you have a single member LLC, now, you went over the legal, from a tax standpoint, you've actually changed nothing from a sole proprietorship. What the IRS considers, they consider a single member LLC is what they call a disregarded entity, which means from a tax standpoint, while the IRS recognizes that the LLC is legally distinct from you, from a tax standpoint, they're going to disregard that and they're still going to treat you as a sole proprietorship. So you change nothing in your tax picture. You're still going to be filing your business income expenses on a Schedule C that's going to go along with your individual return. And then LLC with S-Corp election. Please explain that one. All right. So what an LLC with an S-Corp election is, so without repeating, you know, the LLC part remains the same. You've now created a distinct legal entity from yourself. The S-Corp election is something that you file with the IRS, which means that while the IRS would normally treat that LLC, a single-member LLC, as a disregarded entity, you are asking the IRS with that election to change that tax treatment. You want the LLC to be treated as an S-corporation for tax purposes. What happens at that point is now, with that new treatment, once the IRS approves it, is... You are now going to be responsible at that point for filing two tax returns throughout the year. One is your individual return, and then you are going to be responsible for filing what's called an 1120S, which is a business tax return, a corporate tax return. It's more hassle. I I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, now there's more hassle because you're filing two tax returns. The business return in itself is like a complicated Schedule C. There's a lot more that goes into it. Essentially, it's trying to find out the same thing, you know, reporting your business income expenses and trying to come up with a net figure. The reason, though, you know, a lot of clients go this route is that when you do that, what you're going to do is it's one of the last great legal loopholes for small business owners to save on self-employment taxes. So when you... That's what I was reading about. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So when you do that, you know, you are incurring more costs, incurring a little bit more hassle and headache, keeping 
your business structure and filing requirements, and there's a little bit more bureaucracy that goes into it. But the end result is to save on your self-employment. Yes, and then, you know, based on my readings, you're also supposed to, like, pay yourself through a proper payroll where you withhold taxes and all that good stuff, or it doesn't matter. You can do it a couple of ways. You're right. When you have an LLC with an S-Corp election, how that loophole forms, what the IRS says is that you have to pay yourself reasonable compensation. That's it. You know, reasonable compensation. So it leaves a lot of interpretation. Yes, but does it matter how you pay yourself? Like, does it have to be that formally structured? Like where no, you're using... you can pay yourself by payroll or you could also 1099 yourself. Okay, so can you explain a little bit more what 1099 yourself would look like? Because I've been a 1099 employee and they just send you that form at the end of the year. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly it. So first of all, if you don't mind, you know, I can just to kind of explain what self-employment tax is. And then I can kind of give a numbers example of how this works, how the loophole works, and how paying yourself, you can kind of save on those self-employment taxes. Self-employment tax, for anyone that hasn't heard the term before, is basically it's an umbrella term for Social Security. When you're a wage employee, you know, when you have a, a pay sub and a W-2, you know, everybody's really familiar. You see that gross pay, then, you know, with federal withholding, you're in a state with state withholding, that out of there, and then you always see, like, Social Security, Medicare, before you get down to your net pay. When you're sole proprietorship, as an owner, you're actually not supposed to be on a payroll. You can have payroll for your employees, but you're not supposed to take it. Same with an LLC. So what happens is, because those taxes aren't being taken out on a normal legal period, the government, you know, isn't letting you off the hook for paying for Social Security and Medicare. What they actually do is they assess those self-employment taxes, that umbrella term for those taxes, they assess it on your net self-employment income when you file your tax return at the end of the year. So a lot of times when you're self-employed, that final tax bill that you're paying is actually the sum of two numbers. One is what you would typically think of as your income taxes. The other half of it is what is your self-employment tax. And that's what you would have normally paid into Social Security and Medicare throughout the year. So now understanding what self-employment tax is, I'll try to keep it brief because I know numbers do not make necessarily for good radio. Let's go ahead and take a tax example where you have a, you know, whether it's a sole proprietorship or an LLC without the S-Corp election. And then we'll use the same numbers for a tax situation where you're maybe an LLC with so in example one, whether you're a sole proprietorship or an LLC, let's say in this round number you made $100,000 in gross revenue for the year, and you had $50,000 worth of you know, business expenses. So you're left with a net figure of $50,000. So that $50,000 would serve as a basis to calculate your income taxes, and it would also serve as a basis to calculate your self-employment taxes pretty straightforward. And, you know, income taxes, you know, there's a lot of play, you know, depending on what kind of credits, you know, if you have children, what filing status is, you know, there's a lot of things that might actually reduce that $50,000 down to a lower number of your, you know, what would actually be considered your taxable income, where, you know, you might not be paying income taxes on that full $50,000. There's things in the tax code that can reduce that number down. 
when it comes to self-employment tax, there's no credits or reductions. Whatever that net figure is, by IRS standards, it's a pretty straightforward formula to figure out what you owe in self-employment tax. I don't remember the exact decimal places. It goes out to about four, but essentially what they do is they take 92% of what that net figure is, and then whatever that number is, they multiply that by 15.3%, and that's what your self-employment taxes are. So if we were doing just a you know, really rough calculation on the uh, calculator on 50000 you know, you would be looking at self-employment taxes of around $7,000 on that 50000 They have to get the, <laughs> Yes, they, they have to get their cut and fund those programs that I last heard were going to run out of money by 2030. Ridiculous. So. No, they take it and they go to war, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's example one. Now we're going to take those same numbers, but now example two. So you have an LLC with an S corporation. So now you're filing a business tax return. But again, on that business tax return, we're going to list $100,000 in revenue, $50,000 in expenses. Now you have that $50,000 net. So now that first rule, well, you can't work for free. You have to pay yourself some sort of salary. Now, assuming you didn't want to go through the headache of setting up a formal payroll, you know, you could look at what's left over, you know, at that 50000 and say, well, for managing my LLC, I feel that half of that 25000 is a, a reasonable salary for, for managing my LLC. So you would 1099 yourself for that $25,000, which is a business expense. So now you have a business expense. So now you are left with, instead of 50, you reduce it down to a $25,000 profit. You're still taking 50000 out, but now you've just designated that 50000 into two different categories. One is your salary, your earned income, which you 1099 yourself for, that profit. So what's going to happen and why that's significant? So what you 1099 yourself for, that 25000 that is going to be reported on your individual return on a Schedule C. File a Schedule C for what you paid yourself. The 1099 is going to get reported on that. And that 25000 is going to be subject to figuring out what you owe in income tax, and it's also going to be subject to self-employment tax. The 25000 that's left over is profit. An S-corporation, your LLC with the S-corporation, an S-corporation is known as a pass-through entity. And all that means, that's fancy IRS talk for you're not going to pay corporate taxes on profit. Normally, a corporation would pay taxes on the corporate profit. But with a pass-through entity, what happens is whether you have a profit or a loss, it passes through from the business return onto your individual return, and you take it on your individual return. Because that profit, it's considered income, but it's not considered earned income. So it gets reported on a different schedule on your individual return. It gets reported on what's called a Schedule E. Because it's not earned income, it will factor into your income taxes, but it's not subject to self-employment tax. So what you've done in this exercise is in both examples, you've taken the same amount of money out of your company. But in example two, you have legally shielded $25,000 of income from self-employment taxes. Roughly, that equates to about a savings of $3,500. So you, you cut your self-employment taxes in about half. 
That definitely makes sense. And I think it'd probably be great for people that are making money doing different things, right? If your income is coming from a lot of places and maybe higher. That is the key component. It's not so much that if you're making revenue from different income streams. What it more boils down to, and you know, we kind of have a rule of thumb. You know, everybody's tax picture is different. It's hard to come up with black and white rules or, you know, a, a solid line where it's like, hey, past this year, an LLC with an S-Corp election below this, you know, you're not. But generally, as a rule of thumb, you know, if you're reporting income of like eighty to 90000 or more on your tax return, you know, once you kind of hit that threshold, the potential for savings on your self-employment tax begins to outweigh the cost of setting up the LLC, maintaining the LLC, filing a business tax return in addition to your personal return. You know, all of the additional costs that are associated with that business structure, they start to get outweighed by the tax savings. Below that income threshold, it's not that you won't see a savings, and it's not that you won't get some kind of benefit. But when you kind of factor in those extra costs, you know, it's not... Yeah, it's just, it's not as significant. And then, you know, once you get below, you know, I would even say, you know, forty to 50000 you know, at that point, you know, if that's the income that you're reporting, you're actually, you might actually be coming out at a loss when you factor in the costs. You know, the tax savings just won't cover. And I'm assuming converting, or I don't know if that's the right word, but is that something that Companion Tax offers if somebody wanted to switch to the S-Corp? I thank you for the opportunity of the shameless plug. Yes, we, we, we. <laughs> it's not shameless if it works. <laughs> thank you. No, uh, yes, we, we, you know, in addition to you know tax preparation and bookkeeping services, we we help lots of clients. Yes, everything from if you wanted to obtain an EIN as a sole proprietor, setting up an LLC for you, setting up an LLC and making the S corp election for you. Making an S-Corp election if you have an existing LLC, we're here to help for any of that. And then another question, what does that look like when you start going to apply for loans and things of that nature? Are you submitting just your both tax returns? Are you submitting 1099 to the lender? Like, I'm just curious if you're doing the S-Corp election. If you're doing the S-Corp election, normally, I mean, again, Every bank is different, but if you're applying for like a, you know, I'm assuming like a mortgage loan or any type of loan, what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to see a couple of things. They're going to want to see your individual return. They're going to want to see, usually they're going to want to see the business tax return. And then the other thing that they're going to see, even though it blows my mind because it's included with the business tax return, is they're going to want you to separate out and see what's called a A1. And a K-1 is basically, it's the form that transfers the information from the business return onto your individual return. What your profit, dis- you know, that profit distribution that you took was, you know, anything else that gives some information about the business and what goes from the business return onto your individual. That makes sense. So, I mean, you're still going to be heavily scrutinized if you don't have a W-2 income, which is so stupid, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, that it is what it is. And it, I don't it, mean just know. hoes, I mean like self employed people or entrepreneurs. Like they do oh, not, yeah, look yeah, at, they look yeah, at us it, weirdly. <laughs> I, I go through the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, despite, you know, the business, anytime I go for a loan because I'm self employed as well, 
yeah, I'm showing them my individual return, work, uh, my business returns, my K-1s. Even with that, you know, I remember the last time we went for a, a home loan. Even there were things on those returns that they didn't feel the numbers explained enough. So I remember having to write letters explaining where numbers came from to the bank. So if you are self-employed, don't think they're singling you out because of the industry you're in or, you know, the way you look. We all have to go through it. Okay, so speaking of the S-Corp election, what costs can one expect when setting up an LLC or an LLC with an S-Corp election? How much do you guys charge as well? I guess add that in there. How much do you guys charge if somebody already had an LLC, but they wanted to do the S-Corp election? Do you want me to start with just our prices or would you like me to kind of give the range of what one can typically expect? Which, whatever you want to do. The world is your oyster. Let me give the range and then I'll go into what we do. So, you know, there's a wide range with this because it really depends on, you know, how hands-on you want to be and how much you want to do on your own. You know, it can be as low as, if you're doing it all yourself, you know, it could be as low as whatever the state's filing fees are. I should preface this. When I'm talking about this, I'm first talking about just creating an LLC. You know, whether you do the S-Corp election or not, this is just LLC costs in general. So when you're forming an LLC, you're going to have one-time upfront costs. And that can range anywhere from, you know, on the low end, maybe $400, $500 if you're doing all the work yourself and filings yourself and just kind of paying the filing fees to as much as, I mean, I've heard some law firms charge like $2,500 to set up an LLC. So, I mean, it's a big range. So that's the one-time cost with an LLC. You know, you'll pay those once up front and then ongoing costs with an LLC, whether you make the S-Corp election or not, you're probably going to be in the neighborhood of anywhere from 250 to, you know, depending on the state, maybe up to $900 a year. And basically, every state, call, no matter what state you form it in, they all have a different term for it. You know, they might call it an annual franchise tax. They might call it an annual report. But the bottom line is every state is going to have some kind of annual fee where you're going to have to update company information that's on the record and then pay a filing fee with it. And there's really, in all honesty, no purpose for it other than the state to generate some revenue and nickel and dime small business owners. But it is what it is, and that's the price of doing business. You know, ongoing with the LLC, probably going to be looking in the neighborhood of yearly costs of 300 to, to 900 So, you know, that's what you can expect with an LLC. Now, when you add the S-Corp election onto it, your one-time costs are going to stay the same. Um, normally, most places will throw in the S-Corp election along with their LLC setup. The cost that you add on, though, with the S-Corp election is Basically, the ongoing or the maintenance of the year of cost is the price of a tax return, you know, the business tax return. And again, you know, if you feel brave and want to tackle that on your own, you know, it, it might not cost you anything. But normally, if you get, you know, a firm to go ahead and do it, pretty much industry standard is most business tax returns start at about $700 for preparation and then can go up from there depending on time it takes and complexity. So that being said, you know, since you were so kind, let me uh, say it. You know, if you were coming to us to go ahead and do from the ground up, you know, do an LLC, create an LLC with an S-Corp election, we charge a flat fee of 1250 But with that, you know, we like to think that it's a pretty turnkey solution. 
basically, you know, that's our fee. What we'll need from you is what state you want to create the LLC in and what you want for the business name. And then from that point, you know, the next communication you get from us, we take care of all of the filings, you know, setting you up with a registered agent, create membership certificates, operating agreements, file your S-Corp election with the IRS, obtain an EIN number for you with the IRS. So basically, you know, once we're all done, we send you a corporate package. And the only thing that you have to do after that, which you know, we're unable to do for you, is open up your business bank account. But pretty much we give you everything that you need to, you know, get started with the business as an LLC with the S-Corp election. Now, if you already have an LLC and you want us to just do the S-Corp election for you and not file it, Typically, you want to do a normal S-Corp election uh, at $75, and if you need us to do a late election for you, we do that for $100. You also offer consultations, obviously, like if somebody wanted to see if they should or should not do the S-Corp, or you know, if it would be worth it to them, you guys offer consultations for that as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're unsure... You know, always happy to schedule an appointment, file the tax return, or, you know, even if you haven't and are maybe coming to us for the first time and, you know, but, you know, have a general idea of what your expenses are. You know, we, we talk about the situation and, you know, I try to give you the best counseling possible. If an S-Corp election would be good for you, I'll let you know. And if it's not, you know, I, I have told many clients, like, listen, you, you don't need to do this right now. Focus on growing your business. You know, focus on the marketing, building up your client base, make more money, and then, you know, this thing. It doesn't have to be something that you do to start. You know, you can be a sole proprietorship, grow your business. It's always something that you can do down the road. It doesn't have to be from the beginning. And then are there any drawbacks to shielding yourself from uh, self-employment tax? It depends on your point of view, but I mean, you know, it, it sounds like a pretty good thing, you know, oh, big tax saving on self-employment tax. So, you know, there always has to be a little bit of a catch. And there's a drawback in the sense that your benefits for Social Security and Medicare are determined on what you pay into the system. So, you know, first the self-employed, that would be your self-employment taxes. So whatever income that you're shielding from self-employment taxes that's going to have a negative effect on, you know, how large your benefits are once you start, you know, once you're able to start drawing from the system. Like if you were making, you know, if you were making, going back to that example, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and you, you know, your net income was 50,000, you're paying self-employment taxes on, you know, that $50,000 from example one. Your social security and Medicare benefits are going to be based on an income of $50,000. As, but, you know, as an example, too, where you're technically only saying that you had $25,000 worth of earning, you know, your benefits for Social Security and Medicare are only going to be based on that $25,000 earning. I mean, and Social Security is already trash to begin with. Like, these people can't live off Social Security. And they were the ones that put in a lot of man hours and, you know, either worked for the government or whatever, and they still don't get something that they can actually survive on. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Well, well said. So, you know, what I always tell clients is, you know, listen, it depends on your faith in the system. Your benefits are based on your 35 
the best earning years. So they, they take 35 years and that's what they use to determine, you know, the benefits. So, you know, there's also the case to be made, you know, there's the more aggressive on shielding income for a couple of years. And then maybe as you grow older and more, you know, uh, situated and build up a nest egg and feel more comfortable, you can always, you know, pay more into the system and increase those earnings. I feel like yeah. 35 years is a long enough time for you to be your own social security. Invest well, your man, money, do other things. I promise you, you will get a much better return than the damn government that keeps wanting to take our taxes and go to war. But hey, I digress. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, I mean, that, that is a point that I make too when counseling clients and say, but listen, you know, if you feel it's going to be massively reduced or not even there by the time you're ready to go, because, you know, face it, you know, for a lot of us, that's... 30, 40 years down the road, you know, if you feel it's not going to be there, you know, yeah, trust in yourself. You know, that money that you save in taxes could probably be invested better elsewhere. You know, take your chances. Invest your money in the stock market and the S&P 500 for 35 years and get a much better return. And, and get a 7% return at least. And yeah, exactly. And grow your money than the damn government that'll be giving you $300 a month or whatever the hell they're giving people. Now, I heard the numbers the first time and I was like, what? And then they like to tote the whole, oh, Social Security. I'm like, you guys aren't even doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can tell I feel passionately about this. Yeah, right. That, that money they'll give you that can maybe buy your groceries. Right? It's like ridiculous. And then you see all these older people now and they're basically beholden to the government and it, it's kind of sad to see, you know? And they were the ones that actually put a lot of money into Social Security because these were like the working folks. Like like self-employment, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't really toted back in the day. Like only a handful of people got to be business people and everybody else were worker bees. And they worked hard, and they have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. Years, get your golden watch and, and retire. Oh, they used to give watches. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was the, that was the old adage. You know, you work for that retirement, and they, you know, the, the retirement party, you got your watch, and that was it. Thank you. And then they give you $300 a month for the rest of your life. How great. Anywho. <laughs> So I think that's about it. Is there anything else that um, you want to share? I'm actually going to be trying to set up a consultation with you, you know, for me personally, because I got a lot going on and I feel like I'm starting to get to the point where, you know, I need to have like a meeting so we can go over a lot of things and, you know, plan out my tax profile. <laughs> okay, wonderful. But you, you, yeah, you know, we would love to help. Yes, yes. I have your number and I'll be reaching out to you. But is there anything else that you would like to, you know, like any advice that you would like to give our listeners? It seems scary because, you know, I get the impression when I get calls about, you know, business entity selection and all of that, you know, because there's a, not a lot of good information out there, you know, it can be scary to approach, but it's really not that hard. You know, find someone you trust or hopefully, you know, you come to us. I'm always happy to set up a consultation, you know, go over, you know, what your personal situation looks like and select the best entity that'll work for you. You know, there really are, you know, great tax savings to be had out there if you learn how to work the system and uh, we can be happy to guide you along the way. And uh, that's it. Okay. Okay. And where can people find you to contact you? 
You can go to our website, www.companiontax.com. Go to the contact tab that's on there. There's a uh, contact form. Uh, send it in, and uh, Kelly will get back to you the same day to get in touch with us, and we'll get rolling. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming back and, you know, making life a little less complicated for us. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be on the show and speak. Awesome. Hopefully you'll come back and we can keep talking because this is a very vast world. Taxes? <laughs> yes, it is. And Crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, we'll come back anytime you want. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I will let you go so you can go about your day and we'll talk to you soon. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at TSEG Podcast and on Instagram at TSEGP. Join our Patreon page for exclusive videos on dating, sugaring, and freestyling tips for both the gentlemen and ladies. Patreon.com forward slash TSEGP. Follow your host Vivian on Twitter and Instagram at Exotic Vivian. Please leave the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, keep it sexy and stay receptive.